Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Claire Nelson is the author of Things I Learned from Falling, a memoir. Claire is a New Zealand-born writer who has spent more than a decade in London working in food and travel journalism, including more than five years at Jamie Oliver's magazine. She has also written for Elle, Food and Travel, Trek and Mountain, Lodestar's Anthology, and WestJet Canada. Things I Learned from Falling is her first book. She lives in Toronto. Welcome, Claire. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Things I Learned from Falling, a memoir. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, Claire, I saw this book when I first like heard about it. I was like, I'm going to love that book. I need to read this book right away. This is amazing. And it did not disappoint. You're, I mean, first of all, your story is just so incredible, but the way you wrote about it and the lessons you got from it and how inspiring, oh my gosh, I had like goosebumps. It was just awesome. So anyway, I'm so glad you wrote it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Would you mind telling everybody who might not know what your story is all about, what happened, and then when you decided to even make this a book? Wow. Okay. So, well... I don't know where to begin, but the crux of the story is it's based around an accident I had while hiking in Joshua Tree National Park in California. I had left London to go and travel and sort of find some balance in my life and being alone in the outdoors. I had a fall, had an accident and was left seriously injured in the desert for four days and three nights and 
kind of trying to come to terms with the fact that I might not come out alive. And through that, then really looking at my life and getting a lot of that clarity that I'd gone looking for in a very fast track kind of a way. <laughs> yeah. This is not exactly what you meant by, you know, finding yourself. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. Well, first of all, your sort of physical endurance is really out of this world. I mean, I know that there are, were times in the book where you were like, you know, pain or death, pain or death, but still to endure so much physical pain and, and come out the other side was, I mean... I don't even know how you did that. It's amazing. I mean, I think that we are so much stronger than we think we are. And the good thing is that we don't have to usually put that to the test. You know, when our day-to-day lives, we're not having to really push the boundaries on our own capacity to stay alive, which is good. But I, I think if you are in those situations, I think anyone would surprise themselves about what they actually can endure and and how strong they are. And just before I go into things that happened, like, can I get the PS, like what happens after the book? So is your, are you totally fine in terms of, I mean, I know obviously you were out hiking and everything, but are you okay? Do you have lingering side effects physically from what happened or tell me what, what, what life is like? Yeah. Now? I, I mean, I should preface this by saying it's small potatoes. So, you know, it's not like I'm like, oh, this is really bad. But I, you know, I still have physical pain. I have, you know, I have sort of permanent chronic arthritis in my ankle, which I'm currently about to start some physio on, which I wasn't able to do through the pandemic. And, you know, and I get niggling pains in, in that side of my body. And I think just the last three years, I have I sort of everything's kind of a little bit out of alignment. So I'm just really having to focus on you know, really looking after myself physically, which is, which is no bad thing. But like I say, it, it, it's really not, I almost appreciate the amount of, of kind of what I've got because it's just, it's just enough to remind me how lucky I am, but not enough to stop me from doing the things that I love. All right. That's a very healthy outlook towards that. And I feel like I would just be whining, but okay. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> you know, one of the conclusions I feel that you reached in this book or in your life, I guess I should say, is is when you're sort of like, wow, fear really does stop us a lot, doesn't it? And you had like one line and I, of course, I won't be able to find it, but it's something where you're like almost talking to the reader and just like, yeah, look at that. Fear does really hold us back, doesn't it? Tell me about that. Yeah, it's like fear is such a waste of time when you really look at it. I mean, looking at my own life, the things that I was kind of, you know, when you're inevitably facing death and you have that, you know, moment of retrospection and on how you were living your life before and did I do it right and do I have any regrets? The things that I was like, oh, I can't believe that was how I was living my life. All of the little bits and pieces, the anxiety and the imposter syndrome and the kind of not not really putting myself out there, all of that stuff. It's all fear-based. And I was like, but why is it there? Because this is fear that I have invented. And it just felt like, oh my gosh, like when I saw it and I really looked at it from, from through that lens, it was like, wow, like, oh my gosh, what a waste of time. And I really wish I had had a chance to kind of step over that and just get on with it. Not knowing, of course, that I would have that <laughs> chance. And you also talked about the importance of connection and how even when your camera stopped working, that that was a loss for you because it was, you know, your connection with the outside world in some way, even imagined and how you related more to the Tom Hanks volleyball situation. It's my Wilson. Yeah, your Wilson, exactly. <laughs> oh, here he is. It's my Wilson. Oh my gosh, the same camera. 
still have it. Yeah, I still use it. Still works. Wow. Um, but you know, yeah, that that whole thing of I mean, there's there's also like an allegory there too, which I've really only understood and in sort of looking back that I felt connected because I still had a digital device, even though it wasn't connected to anything. There is still you know that habitual reliance now of, if I've got a digital device, I am somehow connected to people, you know, and, and so I've been doing a lot of thinking and processing about that and what that means. But yeah, it, it you know, I, like I'm a very solitary person and I really, again, something else I've been looking at and processing is why am I such a solitary person? And where is that balance of getting just enough solitude versus really Am I just using it to kind of keep myself at arm's length from, from other people and really connecting and really allowing everyone, like people to see me, like what's and all. And that really just comes down to self-acceptance. So yeah, it's like you start to unpick these things and the whole thing unravels. Oh my gosh. What do you think, like how has the impact on of the fact that it's also public been on you? I mean, I know you talked about how newspapers picked it up right away and, you know, they were so you know, not attracted, but everybody was writing about sort of the drinking of urine part of the situation. And like, I mean, come on. I mean, that was like one (laughs) tiny thing, like, oh my gosh, they should have been talking about the fact that if you moved your, you know, if you, anytime you went to the side, you were like, you know, blacking out with pain almost, but yes, the urine. Doesn't doesn't make as good a headline. Not as good as a headline. Woman yes. tea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, what they should have done is really marketed the heck out of all those walking sticks. I feel like this is like ode to the walking stick. I'm I like, I, not that I ever really hike because I'm so scared in general, but if I ever do, I'm getting a walking stick like yours just to be. Like, never know. I mean, oh my gosh. You never know. Be prepared. You must still have it. Like it is out. Oh, I do. Yeah. In fact, I I should have. It's it's over the other side of the room. But yes, I have it. It's. It's like yeah, life saver. A magic yeah. wand. I know yeah. you call it a magic wand. Wow. Yeah. It, so, how has the sort of media attention on this affected your life? Because that's another way where you've suddenly had to become this like public person and people's fascination in your daily life. What is what was that like, and how is it now? In you know, there's the media interest before there was a book when it was it was a news story, and that was that was a trip. I mean it was weird because I was trying to come to terms with what had happened. And then at the same time, my life was just sort of, there was all this, all this interest. I mean, I ended up sitting on a couch with Al Roca in New York and I was like, what is going on? Like, also, you know, I, I was like, well, this is a chance for me to, you know, help keep other people safe when they're hiking. And so, you know, that was great, but yeah, it, it was a lot to, to process. And, and, and I, you know, there's a lot there too, where, for instance, there's some videos that I took that I shared with a news documentary news in New Zealand, thinking that would be it. And of course, it ended up on an Australian version and then it ended up on YouTube. And so now lots of people have seen it. And so it's kind of, yeah, just getting used to the fact that people are then going to, you know, they're going to project their own stuff onto your, your 15 minutes of your experience and decide all the stuff. And it's kind of very amusing to me. Um, doesn't bother me, but I just find it very fascinating. Um, and then, then since the book, it's course that's allowed me to tell my story in a, in a very honest way. And, you know, I, there's stuff in the book there that people closest to me didn't know about or hadn't really understood. So it was really my way of being like, look, here it is, you know, this is all of it and, and not holding back, which has been, that's been great because it's, it's really allowed me to feel more seen and to you know, 
strengthen the connections in my life that I already had. And what was, was it super emotional writing it? Like, what was that like for you? You know, the, the parts in the desert were, were easy to write because they were so clear in my memory and I really wanted to kind of preserve them. The parts of my, all the other parts of my life, it was like my shadow life, you know, all that stuff that I just, I'd worked so hard to hide from other people. I was now putting to paper and yeah, that was, that was hard. I mean, uh, yeah, it was more just, once that was emotional so much, it was just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, you know, but at the same time, it, once I'd written it, once it was out there, it was, it was a relief because I didn't have to hide this stuff anymore. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And meanwhile, it's not like you're a secret ax murderer or something. Do you know what I mean? No, but do you know what I mean? Like you're, like you're the things you are most worried about, which I totally relate to, right? Because they're your issues, mm-hmm. right? And so they become so magnified, right? And embarrassing for you. Whereas the reader or the yeah. average person could read and be like, okay, yeah, I get that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know. This is the thing about it's, it's all to do with shame, right? So the things that you become ashamed of about yourself or about how, what you're feeling and you hide it and you hide it. And so it becomes like this cabin of shame. And then you open that box and you let the light in and it's no longer as big a deal. But what's then been really, really amazing is then people have been contacting me and just being like, oh, I so related to that. And oh, it's so nice to, to read someone else going through that. And you're like, ah, oh, we're all the same. You know, we're all, we've all got our stuff and it's nice, you know, when we start talking about it. It just makes it less scary and less shameful. It's so true. And that's so important. I mean, the, a lot of what you learned is not, I mean, it's all, you You might have learned it anyway in your life, right? By just like age and wisdom and, you know, getting over some of the things and deeper connections and this and that to get you out of like the bubble. But because this was so dramatic, you know, I liked how you showed us who, you know, the before image of you versus like you have to, you have to do it. You had to show us like where you came and where you yeah. ended up and all of that. Yeah. I think, I think it helped to kind of explain a lot of what I was feeling when I was out there and also some of the decisions that I had made. It kind of needed that context, but of course, you know, the, the lessons would have made no sense without knowing, right. you know, where I'd been before. 
that was, that was crucial. And I love how right when you were rescued and I hope it's not like giving anything away because obviously you were rescued because here we are, but yeah. spoiler, uh, you know, spoiler <laughs> alert, I know because there were times in here, I was like, no, 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 I'm reading this book. So it's going to be okay. But that you could be so sort of sarcastic and funny, like right at the moment and how everybody was so surprised as you were like making jokes in the, to the doctors or the pe- the nurses and all this stuff. Like, tell me about that moment. You yeah. were just so excited to be alive. Tell me about that. I mean, my, I mean, my default is, is humor. It's, you know, it's how I was brought up. It's just it's part of my personality. And, you know, that was the best day of my life. I was never going to be that ecstatic. So it was kind of like, first of all, I think the joking thing was just kind of like taking the edge off of the fact that this was like a really major situation, but I was just deliriously happy. And, you know, I can't even describe the euphoria that I felt that, that day. And then for you know, a long time afterwards, just yeah, it, it was great to be able to just to be kind of jovial in those moments. Wow. I know, it's, I, but also it makes me sound a bit mad. But no, you know. not at all. It's great. It's it's great. Uh, no, because it was, it was obviously such a contrast to when we got glimpses of what you were thinking during that time, especially all of the, you know, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. Like this is not, like you don't usually, you were like, I'm going to die here and I'm going to watch it happen slowly and this is terrible and this is not how I want it to end. Do you still like flash back to those times? I mean, I know you had said you have flashbacks to the whole thing or you did at least soon afterwards, but like that moment, like does that inspire what you do now? Yes, it does in, in its own way. I mean, what I remember most was that sense of, that finally that sense of acceptance, that really that incredible feeling of being at peace with the situation. And, you know, it, I'm able to call on that because, of course, like, I mean, I'm still human and I'm still going to get stressed and anxious and annoyed by, you know, trivial stuff. But I just can call on that and, and remember that I got to have that moment of peace and then still come through and be alive and feel all this other stuff now. And, yeah, it's it's always always going to be there and it's always going to be the thing that I can refer to. I feel like, and I was just mentioning this to a girlfriend of mine, because I think about dying constantly. Like every morning I wake up and I'm like, okay, you know, I hope I don't die today because I have a lot to do. And like, <laughs> you know, I'm taking this flight and oh my gosh, I hope I don't die on this flight because like, I really need to get back and da, da, da. you know, so it is like top of mind for me all the time. And in that way, I feel like I'm always fighting against time. I mean, I know my brand is like, haha, funny moms don't have time, whatever, but it's also that undercurrent that like none of us have time, like our time is all limited. And yeah. what do you do knowing that? And I think some people operate life sort of with that in the forefront. And then my girlfriend who I was talking to was like, I never think that way. Like what? And she's like, that never, it never occurs to me. And I was like, oh no, it, it occurs to me all the time. So I'm feeling like, and this is obviously a leap, but like this has to be at the front of your consciousness having come so close that it could happen again, right? Yeah, I mean, it's so funny. Just yesterday I was having a conversation with someone about death and they were saying, you know, you must have this conversation a lot. It's like, well, I mean, I like having this conversation. I I think, you know, it's the more you're aware of our mortality. It's weird to me that it's the one thing we can be certain of and it's the one thing that should inspire what we do each day. And yet no one wants to think about it. They don't want to talk about it. They want to pretend that it's just not an issue or it's just not a reality. And I'm like, that seems strange to me because, you know, that's that could do so much for us. And it's not about being morbid. 
So I'm like, oh, we're all going to die. But we are. And hey, how about using that? Like, I like that you're using that to be like, okay, time is precious. Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's yeah. do this. Yeah, let's go. And and I think I'm, I'm the same. It's like, for me, with my experience, it's like, well, you know, this sucks. Like whatever's happened, this sucks, but I could be dead. Or, you know, or hey, how lucky that I get to be ticked off at this thing today because I could be dead. So this, yep. you know, you can use it in so many ways. But that's that's... I think it's powerful. I think we should be using it and being more aware of it. And then again, it's like shame. Like you let the light in, it becomes less of a scary thing. Yes. Not to say, you know, and I think this, this comes probably from a place of anxiety, right? Because you're anyone with enough anxiety is always like worrying about the worst thing. Like thinking that if you worry about it enough, when it happens, it won't be a big deal. But like there you were and you had all this anxiety and whatever, and you didn't seem any more excited about the prospect of dying either. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I'm not sure it actually works, right? As a tool. Yeah. You shouldn't, shouldn't be uh, excited about it, but it's just being like, okay, well, this is a reality. And why don't I use that? Like, again, it's a health thing. Of, it's almost like it takes away fear. If you really acknowledge mortality, it can really help you to just be like, well, and the fear doesn't matter because- yep you know, I'm going to die one day. So I might as well just do the thing. Yeah. Again, it's just using it for for good and not using it as it's something to worry about. Because again, that's, you can't do it. You can't affect the outcome through worrying. And I saw on your blog and everything. So you, you ended up moving to Canada. Is that right? So now you're there or yes. Was that? No, I'm in London again. Oh, you are. So okay. I was, I had a two year visa for Canada. The first year was obviously turned upside down by this accident. So then I, and by the time I was back on my feet, I had a year left on the visa and I was like, well, I want to use that. So I moved to Vancouver and I just, that's where I wrote the book. But then my visa ran out. So I came back to London about three weeks before the pandemic hit. So yeah, it's, it's been a time. Wow. Yeah. For all of us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How was that for like, what, how did you end up getting through that? Like, what was your, what was the two sentence experience like for you? (laughs) (laughs) A lot of watching birds and walking in parks. I, I was actually grateful for some of the lessons I had taken from the whole desert experience because I think that some of that really came into play during all of this and not just for me, but for the people around me. So I was actually grateful to be armed with those experiences. In a way. Particularly how you remembered sort of how to be bored, which I think was also a really powerful lesson. <laughs> yeah, Learning how to be bored, which is really just a way of learning to be comfortable, being very present and not looking to be distracted. And boy, there was moments of being tested through 2020 and also the whole, you know, trying to come off social media more. And that was, I mean, I gave myself a free pass during the pandemic for that because, you know, with exceptional circumstances. But yeah, that was, that was a a real uh, (laughs) new set of lessons and challenges for us. But I do love how you said that once you're bored, and, and I love that you said it made you read lots more books because I was like, well, there you go. There's one way you can, you know, but yes. that you even notice, I don't, I think you said something about like the squirrels or the, the the movements of like the animals in the backyard and how that became like riveting TV essentially for you after a while and that you noticed all those little things happening and how great, I mean, especially as like a mom, everybody's always like, you know, let your kids be bored. And of course they're like, no, I want more iPad. And you know, the idea that, that even for adults, it's not so easy and it's important for us to be bored and not to be constantly overstimulating ourselves. It is exactly. And I think it's, it's just slowing down is really what it is. And I still do. I still, you know, 
anyone who follows my Instagram, I often post things of like the fox that hangs out in the garden or, you know, slow motion of a bee because I'm just like staring at it. And I, I do use that. That's my meditation now is to just really focus on nature and what's going on and, and just watching it and you pay attention to the details. And it just takes out all that noise and all that rush, 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 and you can just slow it down. And yeah, I mean, for kids, I think it's a great way to then become curious as well about the world that's around them and as adults. And so now you've written this wonderful memoir, so inspiring in so many ways. What do you want to do with your life now? Like, what is your big game plan? Do you have one? Are you going to just like see what comes next or like? Oh, Zibby, a game plan. Wow. Uh... (laughs) No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. I mean, I'm really looking forward to traveling again. I want to keep writing. I'm playing brainstorming some thoughts and ideas at the moment. You know, that's, it's really, everything's just a short-term plan now. You can't look too far ahead and just kind of, again, just slowing it down and, and, and going with what's going on in the moment. I love that. Everything is a short-term plan, right? I mean, cause what else is there? I mean, of course they are, but you know. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, what advice would you have for, well, tell me, I want to hear a little bit more about the publishing journey of this book and then what advice you would have for people who are trying to become authors. Sure. So what what is it? Okay. Okay. So, so, (laughs) so you have all this media attention at some point you decide you want Mm -hmm. it to be a book and that you're going to take the time and write it. How long did it take to write? Like, what was your process like? And then, you know, how long, how involved was your editor? Like, what was that whole experience Mm -hmm. like for you? Sure. Well, when I was still recovering in New Zealand um, and I was writing this and I thought I want people, so many people were like, this should be a book. You should write a book. And it's something I've always wanted to do. So I thought, yeah, I I can write this as a book. But in the back of my mind, I'd already had this idea for a book before this happened about addressing a lot of the stuff that, you know, in my life in London and all that anxiety and stuff like that. And I thought, but there's so many parallels here between these two parts of my life. And so I, I, I remember thinking, would anyone care about that other stuff? And I approached a friend's friend, put me in touch with her agent and the amazing Sarah Williams and said, I said to her, look, hi, this is the story idea I have. Do you think anyone would be interested? And she's just like, um, this is, you know, this is the story I've been looking for. And anyway, she really, really got what I was, the story I was trying to tell. And it just kind of went from there. And, and by the time I was in Vancouver, I had a publisher and then I had about three, three to four months to write it. So, you know, it was intense. I was, you know, I would spend my days, I was working part-time in a shop and then the rest of the time was just, you know, sitting in cafes and, and going to the Vancouver Public Library and just trying to get down and so many thoughts. And, and, and it's hard because, I, you know, writing a book is really daunting and I, I don't, I'm not trained to write a book. I, I don't have, you know, a wealth of, of academic experience and like this is how you write a book just had to kind of go with what felt right. I had, you know, the great editor at the publishers who was just helping me to kind of pull a structure together. And yeah, it, it was, it all just, sometimes I'm just like, wow, that really happened. You know, it's. <laughs> wow. That's exciting though. Wow. Okay. And so what advice would you have for aspiring authors? Gosh, I think just write, write the way that you speak. If it's, if it's, I'm talking like broken memoir, that's because I don't have experience in the rest of it. Write the way you speak, write what feels right. Be prepared to have to leave parts of it out later on, but just still write everything down. And also read it out loud, not even if not to someone, but read it out loud. And it really helps you to get 
the hang of the language and how things sound. It's actually not something I, I did enough of, I think. And I would sort of sometimes I'll read it out loud. I'm like, hmm. And also, finally, be prepared for the fact you're probably never, you're still always going to want to tinker with it until someone takes it away from you. Yes. Like a kid with their Legos. It's like, all right, no, it's time. Get away. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's time now. You're like, wait, wait, wait. So. Wow. Wow. Well, Claire, thank you so much. What a great book. I, I'm so, in, again, inspired. I feel like a broken record that, you know, to to have you go through this and I feel like it's as if it happened to me. Do you know what I mean? Like you're, you're not trying to po- have us think that you're some superhuman person. You're trying to say you're just like everybody else with all your regular, you know, stresses and worries. And like, this is what happened. And I don't know. It's just so great. It's like the wake up call. I wish, I hope that it, it helps wake people up. Although anecdotally, I found like nothing except for the sort of experiences themselves kind of shake people up. But I'm hoping that your writing is enough to at least convert a few, a few people <laughs> to the, you know, seize the, seize the day type of mentality. But that would make me so happy. Even just one person, that would just make me so happy. Well, if any book can do it, it would be this one. So, there you go. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope to meet you in person at some point. And yes. yeah, well, anyway, thank you. This was really fun. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 